I believe that what we do as women in the privacy of our own minds is the single greatest determinant of our lives. I'm Emma Title, and you are listening to the Women Today podcast, where we are unpacking and investigating the new female psychology. I am a psychotherapist, coach, and teacher who is passionate about women's internal and external freedoms. You are in the right place if you want to hear in-depth stories about women's lives. On this show, we dig deep into the minds and hearts of women to understand what it really takes to heal, to grow, and to experience psychological freedom so that we can create lives of authenticity, fulfillment, and contribution. This is a place to receive nourishment, inspiration, and guidance as we continue to show up for the complexity and nuance of our lives as women. I'm so glad that you're here, and let's get started with today's episode. Hi, and welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the podcast, and welcome to the month of May. For me, it's always really exciting and refreshing as I'm creating this podcast for you all to switch it up a bit. And I think I've mentioned this before, but there's a way that the themes sort of come alive in my own life as I'm going through the month with you all. I don't know if you've noticed that in your world, but I thoroughly enjoyed the month of April. I felt like there were so many rich and important conversations that got shared. And there's also a lot further to go. I think the themes of trauma and triumph are ones that we negotiate all the time throughout our life cycles as women. And they're also, they can be heavy topics. And so I find myself excited to sort of lighten things up in a certain way for the month of May for you all knowing that we're always going to be revisiting the themes of trauma and triumph together in these very real and honest conversations, which I'm committed to providing for us. So for this month, I'm going to be switching gears into the topic of women and health. And I'm really excited about this topic for so many reasons. And per usual, in today's episode, as I'm introducing the theme to you all, I'm going to be talking about some of my personal reasons for caring so much about this subject matter, as well as some more macro or high-level reasons why I think it's really important that we're talking about our health in a very real and intimate way as women. And then per usual, I will be offering some more practical or tangible teachings on my thoughts about health and offering some reflective questions and also some practical tools to potentially implement into your own life if they resonate as interesting or valuable to you. And then finally, as always, I'll be sharing about some of my favorite books, resources, and people who are experts in the field of women and women's health. And I'll be sharing those at the end. So hopefully you'll get some good food for thought and ideas for your next reading if you're interested in going deeper with the subject. So to start out, I want to just share some personal reasons why this subject is really important to me. And I would say that from a really young age, I was always interested in things that I now understand to be pretty foundational building blocks to health. And when I say that, I was became interested in nutrition as a young girl Uh, My parents have jokes about me starting to pack my lunch at a really early age. 
And I would often talk about how I needed to make sure I had protein and vegetables for my lunch. And there was just something about nutrition that really attracted me and was compelling to me before I even knew the more logical or intellectual reasons why maybe it was important. And similarly, I often was drawn to wellness activities. I became interested in yoga as an adolescent. And when I was growing up at that time, it was not as widespread as it is now. I think now there are a lot of adolescents interested in yoga, but I was really drawn right away toward things like meditation and yoga because I had a sense of calm and peace when I got exposed to them. And additionally, I was someone who loved to be active. So these things, they were more instinctual for me. But then as I went on through my education and I started to face some of my own health challenges, particularly in my 20s, I became really invested as a student of health and particularly women's health. And for a long time before I decided to become a psychotherapist, I actually seriously considered becoming a naturopathic doctor or a nurse midwife to be more involved in the birth world. And um, you can probably tell from those two interests that I, I do have a strong inclination and interest toward natural health and um, ways of taking care of ourselves as, as women that are very holistic and that consider all facets of our being. But that being said, I do consider myself to be someone who's very into the integrative models, um, who very much respects both Western medicine as well as Eastern traditions and other healing modalities that are not as traditional in this country in the U.S. And so that's a little bit of background about me. And then, as I mentioned, when I got into my 20s, I actually had a series of health scares. I was diagnosed with a pituitary tumor when I was 26, and fortunately, it was benign. Um, but it was a tumor that was seriously affecting my hormonal functioning and my my endocrine system in my body. And so I had to do a lot of digging and investigative research to understand how to take care of myself. And similarly, later in my 20s, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, um, which is an autoimmune disease for those of you who don't know that, and it can affect the thyroid as well as many other systems in the body. And the way that I have always approached any symptom in my life is to really take it as a communication or a sign or a symbol from my soul, my deeper self, and to really not ignore these symptoms, but to fully engage them, research them, and find my own way with what I need to do in order to address them or take care of them. So for me, I would say that learning how to take care of my health and my body in the ways that work for me has been a huge part of my personal and evolutionary journey as a woman. And it's also been a huge place of empowerment and healing for me that has been really critical. So, you know, while I've chosen to focus my work in, in the realm of psychology and in psychotherapy, I really believe at a deep level that we can never separate our mind from our body. We can't separate our biology from our soul or our biology from our psychology. It's really a deeply intertwined system. And there are lots of different healers and methodologies, you know, that that focus on one aspect or another. But ultimately, I think the most effective healing paths are always going to include the physical as well as the mental, as well as the emotional and the spiritual. So 
that's where I'm coming from, just so that you can know who you're listening to and, and also have a little window into my world about why I think this is so important. So on a more macro level, I, I want to just make some comments, share some thoughts about why I think the subject of women in health is so important. And I'll start off by saying that if we don't have some baseline of good health or vitality or life force, whatever word you want to use, it makes other things in our lives really difficult and challenging to accomplish. And not and and the issue of health is one of privilege from my perspective. So not all of us are going to be born into good health. And some of us, a big part of our journey is going to be struggles or challenges with our health. And that is really important to respect. It's important to be able to identify who you are, where you are in relationship to your health as a woman, and to recognize that we're not created equal in, in the health realm and that some of us may need to spend more time, energy, and attention on this area of our lives than others. And it may change. There may be ups and downs throughout the life cycle. And so I, what I want to just say here is that if we aren't attending to our health and the amount of attention that our health needs will vary, again, depending on who we are and what we're dealing with. But if if we aren't attending to it, then often it has a way of sort of robbing energy from other areas of our lives. So that might mean we don't get to invest in the relationships that we want to or grow the relationships in a way that we want to. It may mean that we don't have a lot of energy or ambition or capacity for career or for financial growth. It could mean that, you know, oftentimes we're, you know, if we're not optimizing and doing our best with our health, that sometimes we are not able to apply ourselves or experience an efficacy or an efficiency in other areas of our lives. And so I really see health as one of the foundational aspects to the human experience. And one thing that I've observed over the course of working with women for well over 10 years now is that oftentimes, not always, but in general, I observe that we as women are often regulators and what I mean by that is that oftentimes if we are in a partnership or if we are parenting children or if we're taking care of an older generation or even if we're just participating in community, that oftentimes we are holding roles of potentially being the ones to prepare meals or to track food shopping or to notice when routines are out of balance or off for us. We are often the ones who are keeping track of things like the environment, the food, the home, not always, again, but in general. And so if we are the people who are doing a lot of that regulation for the whole, whether that's a family or a community, or it could even be a workplace, you know, maybe you take care of other people or you lead other people in a workplace. If you're doing some of that regulation and leadership, then it's really essential that we are able to regulate and lead from a place of well-being and fullness and our own health. And oftentimes things go a lot better if we are in a seat of resilience, buoyancy, well-being, when we are then trying to impact the people and places around us. And I'll also say that it's a lot of energy to do all of those things. 
It requires a tremendous amount of mental, emotional, and oftentimes physical energy to do that level of tracking and caretaking and participation with the people and places around us. And so I think for that reason, we actually need to be even more attuned and more focused on prioritizing our own regulation and healthy functioning and healthy healthy routines because there's actually a big toll that all of that regulating and tracking takes. And you may be aware of this or not, depending on what you're what you're tuned into these days, but there's actually a huge epidemic, um, particularly in North America, in the U.S., around women having a huge amount of autoimmune dysfunction, hormone dysfunction, energy issues, and thyroid issues. And I myself, I'm not a doctor. I'm not trained in any of the medical sciences, but I've done a lot of reading on the issue and it's a massive epidemic and there's a there's a way where women's health is tanking pretty dramatically in relationship to men's health and we really need to pay attention to this particularly as we start to age into our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s and beyond um, because if we're not paying attention our systems can really get impacted in ways that are then having pretty dramatic effects on our lives. So just to speak also again about the parenting thing, and this is something that I've been in the throes of firsthand, having a two and a half year old daughter now, but if you are someone who is parenting children or doing a lot of caretaking, what we need to understand is that we are directly role modeling how the next generation should or can or feels capable of attending to their health. So we're really sending both direct and indirect messages. We're transmitting through our behavior, through our choices, through our lived embodied experience of how we attend to our health. We're transmitting that information into the next generation if we are responsible for younger people. And so I think this is really critical that sometimes it can be hard to find the motivation for our own health for whatever reason. But if you are someone with young people around, just know that this goes beyond the self. This, this goes into, you know, the legacy, the, the intergenerational transmission. And I would encourage you to think about what do you want to be teaching your children about the importance of health and taking care of one's physical body um, because they're learning, they're sponges, they're absorbing and how we deal with things like food and stress and rest and habits and addiction and all that is directly affecting them, whether we like it or not. Another point I want to make on the more macro level is that we as women, we, we're incredibly strong And we're also incredibly sensitive. And our hormonal and endocrine systems are different than the male hormonal and endocrine systems. Not better or worse, but just different. And there are some incredible people who are just doing phenomenal work in the field of medicine, women's medicine, who are breaking this down and trying to make it more common knowledge as to how we are different and how we need to really respect ourselves and treat ourselves during the various distinct life phases and cycles of womanhood. So, you know, there's the very obvious components that we we have, menarche, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, perimenopause, and menopause. So those are like these very distinct cycles that we go through. But then even embedded within that 
our thyroid, our adrenals, all of those endocrine functionings are very delicate in some ways, and they require a fine tuning and an attention and a real respect because otherwise they can go off and start to affect our energy, our capacity, and our functioning in our lives. So I, as you know, if you're a listener of this podcast, I care a lot about women having what we need to reach our highest potential. And I have seen all too many times that if our biology is not doing well, if our physical container and structure is not doing well, then this is going to have a direct impact on our ability to feel well and also to contribute at our highest levels. So if you're someone who's having psychological symptoms like depression or anxiety or insomnia or other mood issues, whatever that might be, if you're having a lot of relational struggles, I want you to consider that health, biological health, may be a a very important factor in that mix. And I would encourage you to, you know, read books, connect with practitioners that you trust, start talking to people, listening to podcasts, because sometimes the root cause of our issues, even if it seems psychological, can actually have a biological root. Dr. Sarah Gottfried, who I absolutely love and respect tremendously, she was on the podcast much earlier on. And if you haven't listened to that episode, I would highly encourage you to listen to it because in there she talks about when it is important to start asking more biological or physical questions about symptoms. And I think she makes some really good points in there. So I would encourage you to listen to that. Okay, so... Those are coming kind of my more broad level thoughts. And then as we're going a little bit deeper, I want to just lay out some of the categories that I think are really important to address when we're talking about women and health. So the first category that I want to talk about is food. And food is such a massive, massive subject for women. In fact, I probably could do an entire month on women and food. Maybe I will at some point. Um, but food has, is, is such a complex area because I think so many of us as women have deep wounding around body image and relationship to food as a result. And so it can be really complicated because many of us have been conditioned to restrict or get rigid or have like a love-hate relationship with food where we love it, we need it, but then we feel like it's bad for us and going to cause bad things to happen. And there's just can be a lot of shame and complexity there. And so, you know, I want you to just be aware of whatever your relationship to food is and also what you might need there in order to amplify or enhance your health. The second category that I want to talk about, which is also complicated for women, is movement. And movement is also a very necessary, important part of being well and feeling good in our bodies. But it has gotten co-opted by patriarchy. There has been so much damage done to women. And oftentimes there can be this very aggressive sort of self-flagellating thing that comes up for women where we feel like we have to exercise or we have to do it harder or we have to do things we don't like. And so I'd really encourage you to think about what actually feels good to you, what makes you feel best, and where do you move with joy and ease and fulfillment? 
Um, I remember many years ago, I was working in a program with uh, pregnant teenagers, and there was this incredible nurse who I was my colleague in the program, and she was responsible for talking with with the young women about food and exercise. And one of her beautiful you know, teachings that she would educate these young women about was the importance of finding movements that they loved. And she would say to them, you know, you're hopefully going to be moving for the rest of your life if you're going to be well and functioning. And so it's not about these short-term, you know, sort of aggressive fad trends, but it's really about how do you cultivate a real love of moving your body and find the ways to move your body that make you feel most alive, most you, most engaged. The third category with health that's really critical is rest. And rest, I feel like, is something that gets so overlooked in our culture, particularly for women. Um, There's a huge amount of research, and I feel like more and more every year is coming out, but just about the relationship between rest, restoration, and our cortisol levels, and our happiness, and our functioning. So rest can include things like sleep downtime, white space, or unplugging from technology. But it's really giving our brain and our body that reset and that pulling back from the intensity of modern life and living and working and earning money and parenting if you're doing that. So I think this is a category that a lot of us sort of resist or we even feel shame when we take space or we do decompress. And so figuring out ways to nurture us and to nurture our bodies and to feel that sort of down regulation into the parasympathetic nervous system is really important. The fourth category with health that I think is really important to investigate is connection. And connection, I I kind of waffled about whether or not to include that here just because I feel like I do talk about connection in so many other themes on the podcast, but Connection is really about several things. It's connection to ourselves. It's connection to the people who are most close in in our lives. But it's also about connection to a greater community or a world or a sense of belonging. It could be belonging to a school community or to a spiritual community or to a workplace. And connection, you know, you might think of it less in the in the physical health realm and more in the social health realm. But there's actually some fascinating research that's coming out about the actual biological impacts of connection. And I'll just give one little example is that there was a study done where basically the more isolation that people went to, the more their inflammatory markers went up. And inflammatory markers can affect so many things in our bodies and they can it can kind of be a cascade effect that leads into physical aches and pains, digestive issues, all sorts of things. And I found it so fascinating to learn about this because basically what we're seeing, and there's also a lot of research when it comes to partnership and marriage, is that oftentimes people who are in, you know, marriages, long-term partnerships, or even long-term friendships, people who belong to one or multiple other people are having much longer lifespans. And so that tells us right away that we, again, we can't sort of 
separate these things out, like our social well-being and our physical health well-being, they're all interconnected. And connection is a really critical part of whether or not our biological functioning is going well, because we are just mammals at the end of the day. So when you're looking at the area of connection in your life, I would think about, you know, who are you living with? Are you living alone? Who can you call when things get hard or when there's something to celebrate? Who or what do you feel that you belong to? And some of those questions may be triggering or activating or even sad if you don't feel satisfied with the amount of connection in your life. But I think it's worthwhile to look at, sort of take an assessment of the connection health in your life and and see if there's something you might need to alter or change. And then the fifth component of health that I'm going to bring up with you is the soul. And the soul, again, is there's a lot of, you know, different dialogue and writing about what the soul actually is. But if we believe that the soul is housed in the body while we are alive and sentient beings, then it's this thing that's different than our digestion or different than our brain or different than our heart or our muscles. But it's something that requires an ongoing attention and maintenance. And so when I think about health, I think of how do we care for the soul? How do we, on a regular basis, connect with something beyond ourselves and beyond our physical body, but that really affects all the other systems in, in, our, in our physical body? So I don't know if you've ever met somebody where you're just really drawn to them because you can tell they're so alive, like there's just like life coming out of their eyes or Some people might use the word prana or life force or energy. And I think oftentimes those people, yes, they have very strong physical practices, probably a good diet and movement, but they're also people who are cultivating a relationship and a nurturance of the soul. And oftentimes when somebody's not doing that and we encounter them, we can feel it. We can feel the vacancy or the absence of that. And so I just wanted to bring in those last two pieces of connection and soul um, because I think they don't get talked in, about enough in terms of health, but I do think they they really affect us. So with all with those five categories, what I would invite you to consider is, you know, it's it's basically like taking inventory. And I've gone over some of the ways to do this in in prior podcasts earlier on, but just to be brief about it is. I think it's really essential as women that we're taking stock and taking inventory of ourselves and the categories of our lives regularly. And I do this once a week, at least every Sunday, I am sort of taking stock, reviewing, reflecting, and evaluating what's working and what's not working. And then giving my attention to the areas that I feel like need more support where I'm struggling. And so the first thing I would ask you to consider is what season of your life are you in right now? And when I say season, you know, you might be somebody who's parenting young children. You might be somebody who has recently grieved the loss of a loved one and is continuing to grieve. You might be someone who's in the later decades of your life. Maybe you've raised children, you're retired and you're you have a lot more time on your hands, but you're, you know, asking big questions about life. Or perhaps you're early on in your career and you're working 50, 60 hours a week, really trying to build something for yourself. But wherever you are, whatever season of your life you're in, you are in right now, it's important to recognize that and identify it for yourself. 
And then the next question I would consider is, what is required for your health in this season? Because health and the maintenance and the care of our health in all of these categories, food, movement, rest, connection, and soul, is going to change and it's going to morph. And we want it to evolve and change over the course of the lifetime. So, you know, something that worked for you when you were 20 probably is not going to work for you when you're 40. And that's good news. It means we're changing and growing and paying attention to that. So really getting quiet and and maybe pulling out that journal or even talking to a friend, like, what do I need for my health to be as well and good and vibrant as it could be right now in my life? And then the third question to consider is, what are your innate sort of intrinsic rhythms versus rhythms or expectations that have been superimposed onto you from an external source, whether that's parents or a workplace or an industry that you belong to in your career or even friends, you know, even the place where you live. I live in Boulder, so um, there's a very intense athletic culture here. And I sometimes have to check myself. Like, I love to move. I, I love to be physically active, but I am not a super intense, almost Olympic-style athlete. And, and like, can that just be okay with who I am? Can I respect that about my innate rhythm and inclination? And so I'd encourage you to get clear about that. Like, how much rest do I need every night or every day? Am I someone who likes to nap? Do I need to take all of Sunday as a quiet day? Um, but these, this kind of reflection of like what actually feels good to us, sometimes things are moving so fast or we have so many expectations riding on our shoulders that we don't actually notice what foods feel good for us or what kind of movement feels good for us or how much of something we want because we're, we're disconnected from our own rhythm. So after you've done some of that reflective work, I would invite you, if you're at a place with your health where maybe you want to try to enhance or amplify your health, is to ask yourself, what can you add in? And I like to start with this add-in question because I think so often as women, like I was saying, there's just so much pain around shoulds and perfectionism and getting it right and keeping up and, you know, just and being attractive and all these different things that can get sort of enmeshed into the health conversation. And so, and there can also be a deprivation inclination, like let's take more things out, let's stop the bad habits, all that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying there isn't a time and a place for that, but what if we start with what can we add in to start increasing the experience of health in our bodies? And so, I encourage you to just think about one thing and not try to change all these categories at once or do major upheaval of life. But if you walk through food, movement, rest, connection, and soul, what can you add in just one thing in one of those categories that might seriously enhance your experience of well-being? I can give an example um, from my own life is that whenever I'm feeling just sort of in a food rut or a just sometimes like about once a year, I'll get this feeling where I'm like, okay, I'm eating healthy foods, but somehow I don't feel like I'm really like getting 
satiated. It's almost like I'll I'll start to crave citrus or fruit because there's some feeling of like I'm not getting the the nourishment or the life force from the food, even though I'm eating quote unquote healthy foods. And so one thing I'll do sometimes when this happens is I'll just add more vegetables. So it's not eliminating anything. It's not restricting anything, but I'll just choose to add and have like four or five different vegetables at every meal. And when I notice that I do this, I immediately start to feel like I'm getting more energy or I'm getting more life force because, you know, there's so many different dietary and nutrition philosophies and we can drive ourselves crazy with that. But I think one thing across the board that is very helpful is eating more plants. And so when I do that, it's a really basic way that I make one move and all of a sudden my whole health feels more on track. So what's one thing you can add in? And then once you've done that, then I would encourage you to ask, is there something that I could release right now? Is there something that I, and I like the word release more than eliminate, but what's one beneficial thing that I could let go of for the time being if I'm wanting to increase my experience of health? And I'll give another simple example from my own life recently is, um, you know, the phones, my gosh, the phones are just such a, (laughs) such a thing to reckon with. And, you know, this is not an issue that we had 12 years ago, but it's now embedded in most of our lives. And it's very intense and impactful in our health and our mental health as well. So I just made the decision that I was going to plug my phone in every night in the bathroom, as opposed to next to my bed. And it's a simple thing. It's, you know, it's not a dramatic thing, like cut out all sugar or cut out all X, Y, Z. And I'm not saying you can't do those things, but I'm just trying to point out like less can be more in these situations. And so when I made that decision to plug my phone in overnight in the bathroom, it just felt like a way of giving myself more rest, giving myself more psychic space from that device, which has everything on it and can create stressors and all sorts of feelings throughout the day. And it felt like a way of really respecting myself and my downtime and my quiet time at night. So these two questions are, what can you add in? And then what might be beneficial to release? Okay. And the the first ones, just to go over them again, is what season of your life are you in? And what is required for your health in this season? And what are your innate rhythms versus the rhythms that have been superimposed onto you from forces outside of yourself? So that's a lot of, you know, that's a lot to take in. It's a lot to digest. And there's obviously so much more. I'm really just brushing the surface when it comes to the conversation of women and health. But I want to just emphasize again, I can't tell you how many times in my work with women's psychology over the years where, you know, I'll have a woman come into me because she's having severe anxiety and we, I start doing an evaluation and a background and, and we start getting in there with the therapeutic side of things. And then, you know, a few months into the work, I might discover that, you know, some of her symptoms are just making me really question the biological side of things. And so I'll sometimes send women, you know, out to get evaluated and she might discover that she has a major thyroid disorder and that that is what is causing the physiological anxiety. It doesn't mean there aren't reasons in her life or her history why she has anxiety as well. So the therapy is still helpful, 
But it's like when that when that thyroid disorder starts getting treated and the anxiety goes down, there's a huge relief and a sense of empowerment. And then she can continue doing the therapeutic work. And likewise, um, you know, somebody experiencing depression or major mood swings and then realizing they have a gluten allergy and going off gluten and their whole world changes. So I can't emphasize enough that, that our biology and our psychology are deeply intertwined. And I think it's essential for our overall empowerment and well-being as women that we're giving our attention to our health. One of the people I deeply respect in the integrative medicine world is someone named Dr. Mark Hyman. And I was listening to a talk of his recently, and he was talking about how oftentimes we perceive the gap between where we are and our ideal version of health as so huge. Like it can just feel so enormous, like this, it's an impossible gap. Like there's no way we're ever going to get to where we want to. And what I want to say from listening to his talk and his teachings is that oftentimes we're not as far away from an experience of health as we think. Like sometimes it could just be the difference of getting off the couch and going for a walk out in nature to shift our experience from feeling not well to very healthy and alive. Or that experience of not eating a lot of vegetables to eating way more vegetables or not drinking enough water to way more water. So it's the little steps in the direction of what we want that can make a big impact. And the people around us also have a huge influence. So if you're surrounded by somebody who's not eating vegetables or not getting out for that walk or staying on the couch or not going to bed early enough to feel well, I just want to let you know that that's frustrating and hard and it's impacting you. And so you might need to deal with some of your relationships and your connections if you're wanting to make some small or large changes in your health so that you can feel that things are moving more in the direction that you want. Before I give book recommendations, I just want to give one final piece here, which is that health can also be really idealized and glamorized. And, you know, there's a whole industry around health. And we, as I said in the beginning, we don't all get to have an experience of being super healthy in this life. And that ebbs and flows. And sickness and losing health and health crises and aging are also a really normal part of the human life cycle. And so if you're someone who's in one of those stages, there's nothing wrong with you. This is a part of living. It's a part of being alive. And I do believe that adaptability and responsiveness, these questions of what season of my life am I in? What are my innate rhythms? And what can I do to feel most healthy now? Those are such critical questions if we're in a period of feeling that there's there's a real compromise to our health, because no matter where we are, we can always find small or large ways of making ourselves feel better or caring for ourselves. And I think, you know, the episode a couple of weeks ago with Terry Dillian, who has ALS and just her incredible sharing and deep insight that she's gained through the process of having a neurological disease is that 
you know, she doesn't just give up. She still makes choices every single day to attend to her health in the ways that she can in her season, in her context, in her capacity. And that really inspired me because I think that sometimes we feel like we have to compare ourselves to other people or other people's health status, but really it's about what do we need in this moment, in our bodies, in our realities, and and how can we attend to that? Okay, so before I wrap up here, I'm going to just make some a few recommendations. The, the subject of women and health is so vast and so deep, and there's so many amazing books that I won't even mention today. But if you're wanting to get started, I love, there's a cookbook called Heartful Kitchen, a cookbook for everybody by a woman named Maria Cooper. And she is phenomenal. And she's an unbelievable natural foods chef. So if you're wanting to kind of get re-inspired, re-amped up in the kitchen, I highly recommend her cookbook. Um, and she has she's a beautiful teacher around food. And there's just so many incredible recipes from everything from very simple to complex, but a way to start getting way more um, nutrition, nutrient-dense foods into your life. So highly recommend that. And then there's an amazing woman named Dr. Aviva Ram. And she's written so many books. She has a new book coming out specifically on women and hormones, but she's also written some books, The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution, as well as Naturally Healthy Babies and Children. And she's a phenomenal resource for women and really an integrative approach to health. She's trained as a medical doctor, but she's also an herbalist and a midwife. So I think she's phenomenal. Um, also great if you're parenting children. And then, as I mentioned, one of my incredible inspirations, Dr. Sarah Gottfried. She's written several books as well. Um, I highly recommend The Hormone Cure and The Brain-Body Diet, where she helps you go really in-depth into what might be going on in your hormone system and how to support yourself to optimize your hormonal functioning, depending on what season of your life you're in as a woman and how everything sort of, you know, then is an outgrowth from there. And another book that's wonderful in terms of hormones is called The Woman Code by Elisa Vitti. And it's an incredible book I recommend to a lot of my clients. And it's about learning to track and decode your menstrual cycle if you are someone who's still bleeding um, and how to really take care of yourself on these levels of food, exercise, rest, um, lifestyle. So I think that's another really user-friendly, super approachable book. And then and final book is Everyday Chinese Medicine by Mindy K. Counts, and she was also on the podcast um, earlier on. She was telling her incredible story of, of healing and recovery, and she wrote this really phenomenal book, um, more in the, the zone of Chinese medicine. She's an acupuncturist and Chinese herbalist, and but so much of that book is really everyday things we can do for ourselves as women, like making teas or meals or learning how to eat with the seasons or how to take care of the common cold in natural ways, things like that. So it's a beautiful book with a lot of pictures and recipes and teachings. And I think it's another really gentle entry point. And she has an incredible presence and voice about her. And I know her personally. So um, I highly recommend that. So those are some books to get you started. And there's such a vast world of women and health. And this month, we're going to be hearing some from some phenomenal people around this subject. 
And I just encourage you to find your entry point, find your doorway. Where do you feel most inspired, curious, uh, desiring change in your health world? And just start there and make it simple. Remembering less is more. This is not about aggressing upon ourselves, bombarding ourselves or perfectionism. It's really about that deep nurturance and soul connection with our own lives and bodies as women. All right. I hope this has been helpful and valuable to you. And I will look forward to connecting next week. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Today podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and take a moment to leave a rating and a review. The more five-star ratings this podcast gets, the more easily women around the world will be able to access this valuable information. Remember, we each have our unique role to play in this collective uprising for women all over the world. Whoever you are and wherever you find yourself in this moment, there is a deep intelligence to your particular place in the wider web, and we need the specific experiences, insights, and gifts that only you carry. I am sending you my heartfelt strength and support for wherever you are on the journey, and I'll look forward to connecting again next week.